You're listening to Conversation Balloons, interviews with experts and friends about how the generations can help each other thrive. I'm your host, Leah Farish. Check out this episode. We are welcoming back to our little studio today, Dr. David Gozal. He is a professor and chairman of the Department of Child Health at the University of Missouri and physician-in-chief at the University of Missouri Health Children's Hospital. He has done extensive research on sleep disruption, sleep disorders uh, across the life course, and uh, so that will be a perfect uh, area of expertise for us to learn about sleep in the various generations and stages of life. Dr. Gozal is past president of the American Thoracic Society and is deputy editor-in-chief for the journal Sleep. He's associate editor for the journal Pediatric Pulmonology and has published over 800 peer-reviewed original articles. We couldn't be more honored and pleased to have this expert on our show again. And thank you to Dr. Gozal. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to come back and uh, certainly to talk about uh, my life's passion, which is sleep. So um, so the, the major question that you ask is really, um, what is healthy sleep in a young adult? Well, um, the reality is that around age 18, 20, um, we're still very, very young and very immature in the way that we sleep. We're still m- much more like... Uh, and this is college, of course, where we have uh, very much the teenager-like uh, behaviors, and that it's really around the age 20, 21 to 25 that we really see the stabilization of sleep into what ultimately constitutes the adult system, the adult standards. Now, what, what are those standards? Um, um, normally, uh, it changes from person to person. Some people are short sleepers, naturally short sleepers, means that if you sleep 30 minutes less than the average, you're still perfectly fine. You, this is really what you need. You don't need more than that. And some others are long sleepers. And with this now ongoing research of uh, geneticists that are trying to identify genes that regulate that sleep duration, and several genes have been identified, and variants of those may be very important to define what really are your sleep needs? Oh, well, genetically, uh, maybe in 20 years, we will say, well, genetically, I'm a long sleeper, so I should be entitled to more sleep than anybody else because that's where I reach my best. Others may say, well, I, I'm a short sleeper. Naturally, I'm a short sleeper. I'm fine, and I will take advantage of that, take advantage of that extra 30 minutes or 40 minutes to do something else that is pleasant to me, right? So. So that's one thing that we need to remember. The second thing that we need to remember is that uh, both of, uh, all of us have a little deregulation. We have uh, uh, we're early morning people or late late people, what many people refer to night owls, and um, that too is important because that circadian system and sleep get together and dictate a little bit not only how much we sleep, in other words, how many hours or how many minutes we sleep per night but when it's best for us to go to sleep and when it's best for us to wake up. And so that is the context in which all we all live, but society is very rigid. We have starting times, finish times, and this is the way it goes. And so we need to adapt. 
Some of us adapt easily, others don't. So you have um, a lot of people at this age uh, using their own uh, remedies for the problem. Lots of coffee drinking starts, lots of energy drinks, um, maybe sleeping pills. Um, and uh, do you think that, do you usually advise young adults to, to try these things? on their own and just see what works for their own system? Well, um, there's one reason, really. I mean, let's think about why, why do so many people engage in consuming caffeinated beverages? Uh, because culturally, our society for many, many years has advertised that sleeping less is the recipe for success. All the... CEOs of very famous companies bragged, even our previous president bragged about, oh, I don't need much sleep. And this is why I'm successful. So when you hear that, um, you say, well, if I don't sleep as much, maybe I can be successful. That's Let's take the positive view. But the reality is that the majority of us tend to suffer from a concept of social jet lag. We come from work, we engage in social activities, and naturally, those entertaining and pleasant activities will tend to prolong our waking, but the wake-up wake time still remains the same. Therefore, your opportunity to sleep the number of hours that you need is now much less, and therefore, you are now living in a sleep-restricted environment. Uh, you are sleep-restricted. And as you are sleep-restricted, uh, it is not a very good thing. Second, the second thing that we see is that we have very, a lot of people have irregular sleep schedules. One time we go to sleep early, one time we go to sleep late. That turns out to be not also not a very healthy thing to do, not very good, because per se, it creates also a risk for not maximizing your potential. And how do you address in feeling drowsy, tired, uh, not adapted? And so how, what is your response? Hey, let me get another Coke or another uh, caffeinated beverage and we'll cope with it as, as we can. This, the second part of this is also very frequent. Well, if I need to go to sleep tomorrow, I have to wake up early. But now I'm so turned up and, and active and worried that I may not be able to because tomorrow it's an important day. Well, I'm not going to be able to fall asleep. So what do I do in order to help myself fall asleep so that tomorrow I can function for this important day? So I start associating that taking a pill or doing something, hot bath, some are good, some may not be as good. And so now you start developing habits that are not necessarily conducive to the healthy maximization of your sleep, rather you take habits that are probably not very good in the, in the long term. Whether it's caffeinated beverages or whether it's pills to induce sleep or any other medication or remedy, I don't know that these are necessarily the panacea for everybody. Certainly that on occasion as needed, of course, but from habit to the occasional there's a huge difference, and mm -hmm. make it a habit is probably not the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. Do you have patients who uh, find an, 
an association between their uh, menstrual cycle and PMS and uh, insomnia? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question because, yes, um, obviously uh, premenstrual symptoms uh, can be disruptive, uh, can be painful sometimes, are associated with hormonal changes that may change the way we sleep um, and clearly have effects on your circadian on your time of sleep, on how much sleep you need. And so, again, if you're constricted by very rigid uh, amount of uh, 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 waking times, um, any deviation on one end will have you pay the price on the other, right? And so uh, that's usually what, um, what is verbalized by some patients who um, tell you, you know, when I'm about to get my period or during the middle of my period, uh, there's times that my sleep is not as good. I have, and then the whole day I'm tired. I'm not feeling good. That makes me get into out of rhythm and out of sync. And so the whole thing is becoming a mess. And thankfully, there's a weekend and it's over and I can catch up and maybe resume my normal life. But if I can't, then it's even a drag. And, uh, and that's a very frequent, frequent, not very frequent, but a frequent story that we hear. Uh, particularly from young women who really have more symptoms that are related to their PMS. Well, let's talk about midlife for a little bit. Um, I'm thinking of issues with uh, work anxiety and work shifts, um, family worries that might intrude on sleep. Uh, we talked about obesity in the previous episode, but maybe you can address that. Um, are those the common problems for sleep in midlife? Uh, what else do you see? Well, uh, we all want to live until we're 200 and live healthy. Uh, so what is midlife? I don't know. But uh, uh, but there's clearly that as um, we advance in age, um, uh, it is more difficult. Our metabolism slows down. Uh, our brain, after age 25 or so, it starts uh, slow, even though we still generate new cells and everything, but the whole process is not as effective, not as efficient. So we are clearly on a slow trajectory towards what we call really healthy aging, if you wish. And let's keep it at the healthy level. Um, under those circumstances, if your metabolism is not as effective, you need to expend more or eat less. And you may have seen a lot of the work that has been done on intermittent fasting and other techniques that relate to reduction in calorie consumption as a way to have a much prolonged life and better quality of life in the long term. So take metabolism, which is an important metabolism and sleep go together. If you are not sleeping enough, you may have issues with controlling your metabolism, which will induce you to eat more consume more calories at a time that you actually need less. And so the price is obviously that you're going to gain weight. And gaining weight is not, does not happen in a day. It happens over several years. So once you have gained all those pounds, uh, damn, it's so difficult to go back, right? Because, again, you're aging and you're needing less at a time that you're trying to control, but you're not going to change all your habits. So you're fighting a, a never-losing fight. So that's issue number one. With life come stressors. I don't know of any life that is planned and predictable to the extent that there's no stressors whatsoever. 
if somebody knows that, let them do the first step because I won't. So, um, so let's, uh, you know, stress clearly can cut some sleep. Sometimes people have this increased activity in their brains, the, the flight response, the fear and flight response, the anxiety that comes with a burden or an, an undue responsibility that comes, um, and expected things that happen in life. All of these can change at the point at times can change the way you sleep, but most of the time we recover okay. But if it's chronic stress, if it is chronic anxiety, if it is chronic pressures, if it is a lifestyle that does not incorporate well-being measures and wellness measures into the construct of counterbalancing the normal stresses of life, you are going to find yourself, you know, the wheels of justice, the balance of justice, the balance of wellness, if you push too much on one end that is against wellness, you better bring this the, the wellness components up in order to cope with it and make it be uh, balanced. And if you don't do that, um, you will pay the price. And sleep is a wonderful wellness balance. It will help with your if you get more sleep and good quality sleep, if you regularly obtain the sleep that you need, you are going to have better defenses against the stressors of life that if you don't. And so... Well, and, and uh, that word defenses reminds me of the effect on the immune system of correct. lack of sleep. Uh, absolutely. Then you get a real cascade of problems. <laughs> well, you have two things. One is uh, lack of sleep or poor quality sleep uh, leads to activation that is not good of pro-inflammatory components, so a lot more inflammation but also less ability to defend yourself against normal things like infections, like the flu, like uh, viruses, like uh, heal your skin or your, you know, there's a very interesting uh, perspective that says that if you don't sleep well and enough, you accelerate your aging. Hmm. So wow. relative to your age, your chronological age, uh, you're 35 years old, that's your chronological age. If you do not sleep well and sleep good quality and the amount of sleep that you need, your biological age may start going faster than your chronological age. So you look like a 45-year-old from the physiological standpoint when, in fact, you're only 35. Wow. Well, that's not a good thing, right? Because no. what it does, it gets you closer to that last day of biological living. And that's not something that you want to accelerate. You want to slow down your biological age as much as you can. And even if you can, by virtue of doing everything right, maybe even slow down relative to the chronological age. So instead of being 35 chronologically, your biology now will be 32. Well, isn't that <laughs> wonderful? I feel yep. like a 32-year-old when I'm actually 35. <laughs> um, how about... Um, the use of CPAPs and obstructive uh, sleep problems, do you see more of that starting in midlife? Well, uh, first of all, we see it at all ages, um, starting with children all the way. Uh, with aging comes, obviously, several changes that occur in the upper airway or in the respiratory system. Uh, we gain more weight. It's part of aging. Uh, age, uh, fat tends to accumulate in certain 
areas of the body that at the expense of others. We all know about the male pattern of uh, obesity, which is really around the waist. Um, in females, it's a little different. Uh, some people have compared this to pear-shaped, uh, so more in the in the in the lower waist. Um, but those elements uh, also translate into the accumulation of fat in other places, such as the upper airway, which in males, uh, before menopause, in, particularly in males, we see that sleep apnea becomes a very dominant possibility or risk. And so we see that uh, a man, um, particularly in the ages of 30 and above, as they start getting acquiring more weight during you work more, you exercise less, you sleep less, you have all the elements that lead you to accumulate those calories. Those calories translate into fat. Fat deposits where it shouldn't. It deposits where you really don't want it. What you do is you, you enlarge your pant size and say, it's okay now. I feel good. It does, it's not tight. And let's keep living the way I do rather than try to fix it uh, by exercising, sleeping better, exercising more, and, and not eating as much. So um, ultimately, you will start developing sleep apnea. The risk goes up with aging in men. In females, for a variety of reasons, estrogen and progesterone protect you. And so until menopause, the risk for women is much reduced relative to men. Also, the manifestations are a little different. And then when menopause occurs in women, this is where we see basically them rallying and becoming very similar to the risk that we see in men. And then from there on, with really aging, we see an increased risk for both uh, genders. So let's talk now about the, your older uh, patients and what sleep is like for the elderly and uh, what we can do to make sleep better at that age. Great, great uh, question, because um, first of all, uh, it is a misconception that um, aging people sleep less. Uh, in fact, uh, they don't. They sleep the same as we do at, at, all, at earlier ages. Um, the ability to generate deep sleep, um, the sleep that we call the restorative sleep, the one that clears the brain from the toxins, that is that very delta, what we call also delta wave sleep, um, we lose a lot of that over time as we age. So young kids have wonderful delta sleep. Young adults have still quite a bit of delta sleep. And as you become older, you start losing a little bit of that, but you still have the same amount of sleep. And in fact, you may need a little bit more sleep than the young adult. However, uh, one of the things that happens is that we have other physiological changes that happen. You need to go to bathroom in the middle of the night, all these other things that then make it difficult. And so you get a lot of interruptions of sleep that from which it is very difficult because of the way that we regularize our circadian, our clocks, it is difficult to go back and fall asleep. We start becoming now really East Coasters as opposed to West Coast. It's a tendency for us to, uh, to become, and that's why many restaurants have early bird dinners. <laughs> right. Well, uh, the reason is very simple. You're bringing a group of aging individuals to eat early because for them, falling asleep early is actually a circadian necessity. They will also, of course, wake earlier in the morning. So now you've shifted back to early times 
These are healthy adults, healthy aging adults, nothing unusual. You can see that they've shifted the way that they sleep. They also have more sleep interruptions. And therefore, it is not unusual for them to have micro naps during the day, particularly um, if they didn't get a very good sleep during the night. Now, under conditions of not necessarily so healthy aging, people that have underlying diseases or people that start developing Alzheimer's or any other types of degenerative diseases, we will see then many more of those interruptions of sleep during the day at the expense of many more interruptions of the continuity of sleep during the night. And so you get a very fragmented day and night sleep, which may be a little sign that your aging is not as healthy and that maybe it's worthwhile to check it out. What, how can we help in order to restore a little bit of that and prevent all the consequences of neurodegenerative diseases or cardiovascular diseases or any other diseases that clearly accelerate your aging and make you be at risk of dying. Right. And, and again, you have that cause and effect problem where that, the lack of sleep can, you know, contribute to depression or memory loss or attention problems, decision-making issues. Exactly. Uh, you know, um, mood. Well, so think of, think of sleep um, as a vital function, which uh, really it is. It's a pillar of wellness. It's a pillar of life. It's a pillar of, of a vital function. And it does multiple things. One, of course, it helps cells recover. But in the brain, for example, we have a system that drains all the toxins that accumulate during wakefulness. And that is called the glymphatic system, was discovered back in 2013. So it's very recent. But nonetheless, we suspected the existence that there would be a system that clears the toxic products of metabolism in the cells in order to allow them to regenerate. And if you don't, these toxins will remain in the cells and will cause the cells to die. So if you are susceptible, for example, to Alzheimer's and you don't sleep very well, then you're going to lose many more neurons that normally, or brain cells that normally you would. And therefore, you may accelerate the onset or the manifestations of a disease that otherwise would have happened much later in life. Are you, are you saying, referring to toxins in the brain or throughout the body? That well, this... Throughout the body, but primarily when we talk about neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's, it obviously affects primarily the brain. In uh -huh. other circumstances such as cardiac failure or congestive failure or ischemic heart disease or blood pressure or diabetes, they can affect other systems as well. And so. Sleep in general will help you heal better and maintain your wellness within the context of what you suffer from. But disrupted sleep will clearly pay, will have you pay a much deeper or more expensive toll than otherwise would be uh, uh, the, the reasonable to expect in the, if indeed your quality of sleep and quantity of sleep uh, would be uh, uh, as good as they could get. And is it true that... Um a younger person might have abilities to compensate or cope or work around these deficits that no longer are available to an older person? To a certain limit. Um, remember, we talk about plasticity. Uh, to me, that's a very magic word because it illustrates uh, how much can we stretch the system without rupturing it. 
right? So take an elastic band. And if you have a very new elastic band, like in babies, you can stretch it and stretch it and stretch it. It's very difficult. If you take a new, completely new, off the, off the factory elastic band to really stretch it to the point of rupturing it. As you have used it many, many times and stretched it many, many times, well, uh, if you keep stretching it, your pants will fall off. Okay. <laughs> so it's, that's aging. And with aging, the plasticity is less. The ability to stretch the system and recover back to normal is not as good. And so you give in a little bit every time. And at the end, it won't recover whatsoever. And uh, what can an older person do to improve their sleep? So, and, and do screens interfere with an older person's sleep to the extent they do with a teen or young adults? Well, uh, so the, 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 the answer to the second question is yes. Um, screens uh, still affect um, the same way. Uh, overuse, abuse, too much light, all these things can certainly affect the ability to regularize your sleep and have the quality of sleep. Um, so this doesn't change, no matter what the age, except uh, uh, hopefully older individuals and uh, nice individuals will think more of, hey, let me get out of this screen because otherwise I know that tomorrow I'm going to pay a price and maybe be a little bit more conscious about doing the right thing. Maybe. Uh, I want to hope that this is the case, that experience had taught them that they need to abide by the rules of their body rather than the rules of their will. Um, uh, but um, be that as it may, I think that, again, having a regular bedtimes, exercising, eating uh, well, the same rules that apply to everybody. Uh, the pillars of health are always the same. Mm -hmm. Eat well, exercise, and therefore engage in physical activity that will maintain you and clear your toxins and everything else and keep you in good shape. Sleep well. Those are all fundamental elements that ultimately will preserve you in the best possible way, given the circumstances in which you are. And uh, I haven't asked you about light in, in the sleep environment. Is that just ambient light or, you know, light coming through the window? Is that something that needs to be regulated or is that what eyelids are for? <laughs> um, so, uh, unfortunately, yes. Um, we live uh, since the beginning of electricity in a light pollution that is terrible. Um, you take a look at the Mother Earth from the space, and uh, it is amazing how much light there is. You go now into any place in the cities or in the living areas, residential areas, and you cannot see the sky. Well, for thousands and thousands, a million years since we exist as a human race and well beyond if we count all the mammals that exist and all the living things, we have regulated and developed our genetic systems and everything else that relates to our function, cellular function, on the basis of a very clear partition between dark and light. And now, in 150 years, we're trying to break all the molds and, oh, we can take care of all of this. And guess what? As much as we wanted, we can adapt some. We can pull the elastic, that plasticity a little bit. But at the end, we're going to pay the price. So, no, uh, if you can completely blacken your windows, 
Take away all lights in your room. You will have a better sleep and a better quality sleep than if you leave a little light or a light or sleep with the light. Um, I'm sorry, that evolutionarily uh, we're still not ready to, maybe in 100,000 years, we will have developed the systems in genetics that will enable us to accommodate more light in our environment and still be able to function without stress or without challenging our physiology. Until then, turn off the lights, blacken the windows, take away any source of light during the time that you're supposed to sleep, and trust evolution, not me, trust evolution. Uh, your genes will then do what they're supposed to do in the best possible way. Well, Dr. Gonzal, again, we've benefited greatly from your wisdom and experience and learning, and uh, I envy your patients and students for all that you're uh, contributing to them every day. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your time today. And uh, we hope that uh, you will come back sometime and update us. I'm sure you're staying on top of all the, the current learning on this, and it's a fascinating area. Thank you for being on Conversation Balloons. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Conversation Balloons. Look for more episodes and information at leahfarish.com. That's L-E-A-H-F-A-R-I-S-H.com. And follow me on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs>